0: watch
1: welcome back everyone to another episode of the raven's watch i am your host david lee corbo aka the raven i'm happy to be back after taking a week off uh we doubled down on nephilim death squad last week in honor of uh nephilim awareness month which is november so that's forever (laughs) going to be nephilim awareness month guys you got to get that in your heads and we'll see you next november we'll double down on nephilim death squad again i think we're even doing it again this week coming up uh but happy to be back in the seat doing the raven's watch and i am here today with uh my guest sublime sublime brother can you tell the people um a little bit about yourself and where they can find you
0: Oh, okay. All right. What, what shall I say? Um, well, my name is Sublime. Uh, you find me on Twitter, uh, Sublime underscore creates. Um, right at this point, I'm rolling with the, uh, the Bitcoin boys most of the time, Bitcoiner, avid Bitcoiner. And uh, especially, you'll find me in the TEM, Triple Elite Memes spaces now and again, which is uh, a Twitter space that uh, kind of was founded by going after scammers on the internet so it's a, it's a group who go after uh, uh, like crypto scammers and people that are trying to scam people out of Bitcoin and stuff like that. And, and uh, yeah, so you can check those guys out. And I'm not as active as a scammer participant. I'm kind of like more like their uh, uh, their pastor slash, um, you know, spiritual guide. Uh, but we like to we like to have a lot of fun. So that's where you find me. And uh, also in in real life, I, I'm a welder. Uh, like yourself. And um, yeah, so we got the 6010 Burns together, right? And and also I founded and planted a church to the homeless people in our city. So our city is like overrun with homelessness and drug addiction. And that was a big problem. And we noticed that the church wasn't really um, addressing those issues. So Uh, we, we, me and a few friends started a church and we've been doing that for a few years now. And, uh, we record our sermons and we put them all up online if people are interested. We can put a link to that later if you want. Yeah. So that's a little nutshell of where I'm at right now.
1: That's very cool, man, because you're, you're doing two things that, um, I'm actually very interested in, in the sense that I don't know very much about them. So I always tell people that I am by no stretch of the imagination. a a biblical theologian. Um, I actually find the, the language in the Bible. I have a King James version, uh, actually sitting right over there and it's just a little bit, uh, thick and dense. And so, you know, I kind of get lost in the verbiage. Um, and so we kind of met on Twitter and then you added me to a group that, uh, there's a lot of, Biblical dialogue, which I actually find incredible. Yeah. I don't contribute because I don't really have much to contribute, but I do a lot of lurking and I try to do a lot of learning. <laughs> and there's also there's always very cool information going in and out of those groups, so I find that awesome. And then the other thing is uh, the whole cryptocurrency. I I highly recommend people um go to you as you know if they're interested in either the Bible and and you know learning more about that, or if you're interested in cryptocurrency because man. Uh, those are like two of the densest subjects in the world and you're tackling both of them. And, you know, those are big monumental tasks to take on. It's very cool that you started a church. Uh, do, do you mind me asking what city is it or would you rather keep that?
0: Um, well, let's just put it this way. Like I'm in Southern Alberta and, uh, Southern Alberta and Canada. And, uh, we're right next to the largest native reserve in Canada. Uh, First Nations reserve, and uh, on, you know, with the the culture and uh, and the history, there is just a lot of there's just there's a lot of uh, brokenness. There's a lot of people that are struggling, um, and there's a lot of drug addiction, right? So, that tends to bleed into our city because we're so close to the reserve, so that people come into into our city for uh, just um, yeah, just to get all the social programs, right. Just basically get all the free money and, and whatever. And that, but that ends up being like kind of a disaster because, you know, people just, Oh, I've got all this free money. Let me just go and do a whole ton of fentanyl today, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but, but anyway, yeah, Southern Alberta, um, I guess like, yeah, I'm in Lethbridge. So that's, I mean, there's only one city in Southern Alberta really. And, um, yeah. And if you ever listen to my sermons online, you know, that's, you might hear, you know, me referencing our city. So interesting area for sure.
1: Very cool, man. Uh, like I said, those are mm-hmm. monumental tasks that you're undertaking, um, especially in the regards to the density of the information. And so I imagine that it is not um, an easy thing to, to, to take on, but it's certainly a fulfilling thing to take on. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things that you and I were going back and forth about a little bit is uh you have had personal experiences, um, some of them with your, I, I believe you said with your girlfriend. And then also because of the nature of what you do, you have um actually got a lot of secondhand experiences from from mm. other people who have, you know, shared their testimonies with you about what they've gone through. Uh and it sounds like by the nature of where you are in the city, uh by the nature of what you're doing, you come across. I would say a lot of troubled people, uh, like you described earlier. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I, I, I imagine that, yeah, you probably do come across some, some funky stuff. I, I live in a little bubble. Um, I went out recently to a church for the first time in my life, uh, where, where my wife and I (laughs) took my son and we, we went out on our own accord and it was, I think maybe not the best experience for me because I went into Number one, it was sort of a mega church, you know, one of these yeah. like really sort of um, uh, uh, church corporations. And uh, it was like the Walmart yeah. of churches. And I believe it was mm-hmm. an evangelical one. And uh, they were talking a lot about sort of the Palestinian-Israelian uh, conflict and uh, very much in support of Israel and Sort of this idea that like I don't know I I I think now I've pieced together what the context was. It was like they support Israel because the things that are unfolding in their opinion are going to bring about the second coming of Christ. And so uh-huh. there was a lot of like fervent enthusiasm about like the violence yeah. and the war. And um and so I found myself kind of like taken aback, right? Because I'm one of the people who pumps the brake. So whenever the propaganda machine starts cranking out, especially wartime propaganda, right, we're talking about the fog of war. We're talking about uh, a holy war, a religious battle that's been going on since the beginning of mankind. And I fully acknowledge that I lack the context and the information to understand this this thing entirely. And so suddenly I'm thrust into an environment where they are like,
0: they're going
1: They're happy. So I know what
0: you're talking about, bro. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to be uh, like, so what you're alluding to is something in Christian theology called eschatology, which means, um, last things, right? This the, the progress of history, right? So Christians believe, and the Bible says that God orders history, right? He has a plan, a set definitive beginning and a definitive quote unquote end. Of this world, the way that this world will be before Christ returns, and uh, Christians disagree vehemently on the nature of that eschatology. Um, the the one that you're describing is that uh, it's called um, dispensationalism. It's actually relatively new within Christian history. It only exists by about 200 years-ish, came around the 1830s, um, and they um, assert Really, that the world will get worse until Christ returns, but at the same time, um, uh, Jesus has to return as the the Messiah of the Jewish nation, right? So this is why they're really wrapped up in having the temple back and the temple grounds back, so they can build the temple and start doing the sacrifices again, and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, from me, I guess I used to kind of believe that, but because. We never really did eschatology good in the 80s and 90s 2000s and it was just assumed that that's the way it would go but upon further study and understanding a lot more about the bible i've completely switched to the polar opposite of that i don't believe that at all i believe that christ is king he came he came right like we sing the christmas songs and stuff like that right like he came as the king he came as a baby he came to redeem the world and that now that christ has come and he's tied up the strong man the enemy all the you know, the demons, the watchers, the Nephilim, he's king over all of those things. And he is using his people to bring his kingdom about throughout the world in a greater way to subdue all enemies. And uh, and one day he'll return, but not to a, a gong show fallen world, but to a redeemed world, right, where he just needs to come back and wipe out sin and death. And then that's it, right? So unfortunately, Christians have really been wrapped up in that, especially evangelicals like yeah, I am a quote-unquote evangelical slash Protestant, but I don't like to call myself that because they're so, like, whacked out, especially North American Christianity. It's like, eesh, right? Like, really, dispensationalism and all that, you know, is quite American, and uh I never trust a religion that comes out of America.
1: <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I've come to understand, and— I'm sure I've got a really shitty version of this in my mind uh, because this is all new to me. I'm I'm coming to it. I'm trying to understand. It seems from where I'm sitting, like the Jews don't believe that Christ was the Messiah or rather that he was uh, um, God's son that was sent here to sacrifice himself for our sins. Uh, And instead, they they think that their Messiah is still on the way. And so am I right in thinking like evangelicals are supporting what the Jews in Israel are doing? Because then they're going to bring about uh, the second coming of Christ. And then the Jews will see the error of their ways and realize like, oh, it was Christ the entire time. And we were just off on that.
0: Exactly. But the only thing is, though, is that they reject God's law, right? Like we don't like to talk so much about God's law, but God never breaks his law. So like he's not going to come in and be like, yeah, it's totally justified to kill like six million Palestinians in Gaza in order to bring Christ back. Because that's not why he came. He came so people could repent and believe and live, not so that you can bomb babies in the Middle East for three decades, right? Like, it, you know, that's not how Christ comes, right? Like, he comes through converting people from the inside, not through bombing them from the outside, right? Like, this isn't this isn't how Jesus comes, right? Like, so, I mean, he, he does come with vengeance against his enemies, but like, we're in this time of grace where, you know, like he's calling all people to himself, right? Like, this is what sparked interest in, in, you know, when I saw you saying, Hey, I'm going to go to church. Like, I'm just like, Oh man, okay. I want to like be able to like come alongside this guy and, you know, um, You know, like, if you have any questions, bounce stuff off of me, you know, like, because it can get crazy out there, right? So, um, you know, this is Jesus' time of grace. So, um, yeah, bombing babies in Gaza isn't, you know, isn't something that he supports, right? And and he also doesn't uh, support uh, apostate, secular states that set themselves up as God against him, right? Be that, you know, U.S. federal government or the you know, Israel government or these these are all secular atheistic entities which want they want worship from their people, right? You're supposed to worship the government, worship, worship, worship. But Christ is like, no, like the government is upon my shoulders. I I am the one that holds this world up. And you don't worship the state. The state bows down to me, right? That's that's Isaiah two, right? And this is uh this is this is the way, right?
1: No, um, there's there's definitely an aspect of this conversation that I think uh, would be really interesting to have with you, although I don't think we can have it on YouTube because of the nature of things. But it has very much uh, to do with this idea of and I'm only going to touch on it and then um, and then we'll move on. Uh, But I think that it would be great to have you again in the future, maybe do something exclusively on rumble where YouTube won't uh, push me me off because uh, I'm finally getting to the point guys where after, six plus years of fucking, uh, content creation. I'm now about to hit a a level of monetization on YouTube where I can have super chats, which means people can contribute monetarily. And maybe for the first time in, in over half a decade, I can actually make some money off my content. So let's not ruin that entirely. But the thing that I, I want to talk to you about, and I think would be good to do in the future is this idea that, you know, I did an episode very early on in the show, uh, early on in the grand scheme of things, it's only been four months, uh, but still, one of, I think the third episode I did was about this um, black cube of Saturn and the, the cult of the black cube of Saturn gotcha. and how there is an incredible amount of esoteric occultism regarding the cube, uh, the the hexagonal storm on Saturn's North Pole. Um, mm. And then this this thing morphs mm. into and rolls into the fallen, the Nephilim, the Greek pantheon, mm-hmm. this idea of Kronos, this idea of Moloch, uh, mm. this idea of Saturn, Satan, all of these things bleed over into one another. And just recently, I was having a conversation at work with, um, with one of my buddies, and he goes, we're talking about the Star of David. And I say to him, you know what's interesting is I've been learning sort of peripherally. I keep seeing this notion that there is no mention in the Bible of the star of David actually having anything to do with the biblical King David, and that it is specifically the star of Remphan. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's like R-E-M-P-H-A-N. And also of Molech, the Old Testament deity that uh, they would sacrifice children to. And Mm. then it says that the star was created as a symbol Uh, that they use to represent or or to worship those gods. And then there's immediately this bleed over between Remphan and its translation to Kronos. And now all of a sudden, this black cube of Saturn fits in perfectly. Not only that, but the center of the Star of David being a hexagon, being the same shape as the storm on Saturn's North Pole. It is all of a sudden like, I've had these pieces, and what made them click was I'm telling my coworker this and he goes, you know, it's interesting because he reads the Bible every day. He's recently got into it. We we started this journey together, actually, because when I started my job, he really dug my conspiracy theories. He had a bunch of loose pieces that I was able to connect for him. And he went, whoa, that's really interesting. I said, yeah, you know, what's interesting uh, even more so is that as I move forward in time after doing this for like 16 years, uh, the biblical lens makes more sense to me than any other lens that I've looked at all of this through. And he agreed with that. So he starts this journey on reading the Bible. He's much better at reading than I am. He actually is the one who gave me the King James Version. So shout out to Mikey. Um, And so uh, what what ends up happening is we have this conversation. I go, I don't think there's any mention of it. I don't know for sure because I haven't looked into it myself, but I see this peripherally that there's no mention of this being about David, the King David. And he goes, Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't come across any mention of it whatsoever. And I go, Yeah, the only mention is potentially Remphan, but I don't know that. Mm-hmm. So the next day he comes in, and I think it was like axe something. <laughs> that's how good I am. Axe. Yeah. It was in it was in X somewhere. Uh he goes, Yeah, dude, I just opened up my Bible. Sometimes he likes to do a little thing at breakfast. Well, he'll pick at random. And he stumbles upon that verse. The very next day. Wow. And he comes in and he goes, Yeah, dude, it's this book and this verse and I and I Google it I find it and then just because of that epiphanous moment it was like I've always had these things in my head but the energy of the moment lent itself to like sticking the pieces together and I went holy crap like what is going on here and then the very next day uh Sovereign Bra on on uh on Twitter on X he posts this thing where there's like a series of sixes three sixes that are hidden within the Star of David Mm. and so the whole thing is just seems like it's it's all boiling to the surface. And, you know, like I said, because of the constraints of of YouTube, uh, there's only so much that we can say. And I'd much rather save the conversation for another time. But if anybody is interested in that, I, I did make a post and, uh, and I am planning to put together a compelling body of evidence. And I have a, a guest coming up that I can't announce. I'd be ashamed if I announced it and he never came through. But it's a huge guest, probably the biggest one that Nephilim Death Squad has had yet and i want to have the conversation with him. So if you guys are looking forward to that, i highly recommend looking into this this um this idea of the star of david actually being the star of remphan, a representation of remphan and moloch which bleeds into chronos, which breeds and in, bleeds into the fallen, the nephilim, the greek pantheon and and it, and this black cube of saturn. It is a mess, dude. It is wow. a mess, but once you start going down that path, uh it becomes very interesting. But I wanna I wanna swing off that tirade and get to the uh, the 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 sort of the meat of why we're here. Um, you yep. have had a lot of interesting uh, experiences that you alluded to, and I I know myself personally. My experiences have, like I said, given me the biblical lens. It my experiences led me to conspiracy theory. I became just uh, enamored with like how how do you define this? How does this fit into the worldview and I've spent mm-hmm. years and years creating this sort of jigsaw puzzle, and it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And it wasn't until I looked through the biblical lens, it wasn't until I, I found uh, belief in Christ that all of a sudden these things started to make sense. And right. so knowing that you have taken on this, this sort of monumental task of uh, helping people to understand the Bible, helping people to come to Christ, uh, creating your own church— and then finding out that you have a series of experiences, I can't help but wonder uh, the nature of these experiences and and how they contributed to you coming to be the person that you are today and coming to take on the task that you have. Hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I think for me, like the thoughts about the, the spiritual aspects of, you know, because everybody has these things in their lives, right? From when they're kids all the way up to when they're adults that happen. And you just can't really explain it and you wonder if you dreamt it or if it was a actual, you know, and you, you kind of put them off and I'll be honest with you. I haven't had a ton of spiritual experiences, um, to speak of, but I'm making sense of a lot of them now. Uh, as I've, you know, as I talk to more people that like, I'm, I'm reaching out to like native, uh, native Canadian, right. Like first nations natives. Right. And I mean, their religion is, really wrapped up in, uh, spirituality and ancestor worship and, um, and basically spirits and demons, right? Like they don't realize it, but there's, well, I think they do. They do realize there's good spirits and evil spirits, good spirits and evil spirits. Right. And, um, and I've had lots of experiences and talks, lots of people like that, but we've had personal experience. Um, so I was born and raised in the UK, born and raised in a quiet, country area of the uk you know the remnants of christendom right like the influence of god's word and his law for a thousand years on society generating all of our laws and rules and you know all the pagan stuff that was happening like a thousand years ago with fairies and pixies and dragons and all this kind of stuff you know that's all been pushed back right so like i'm living in this this remnant of this christian kingdom and I didn't really experience any, um, you know, demonic oppression. I think, I believe that God, um, intends to push the enemy out of all countries and nations through, you know, through proliferation of the gospel and the Bible and biblical knowledge and changing laws and all this stuff. So that you, you know, you can't be a witch in England, right? That's the thing, right? Like, but, um, but moving to Canada, um, I've had far more experiences, and I think it's because the spiritual environment is different. Yeah, we still have remnants of uh, biblical law, and Canadian law is all, uh, it all goes back to the Bible and God's law. British common law, basically, but going further back than British common law, that's biblical law, right? So it's applied to the nation. So we have that, but we also have the um, you know, Canada is a melting pot of all kinds of people from all around the world. So my wife is uh, from a Japanese family. She's half Japanese. So her Jap- Japanese side of the family all came in through Buddhism, right? So they come into Canada, but they're a Buddhist, right? So there's there's the spiritual... Uh, there's the spiritual realm there. So you've got this Buddhism and then now I'm in Southern Alberta and there's natives around. So they've got their pagan, uh, beliefs and and stuff like that. So things start to happen, right? You start to see things happen in front of you. So I don't know, um, personal experience, the scariest personal experience I ever had that was, um, The moment that i kind of realized that like satan is still kind of doing his thing was uh i was in a church for we we as a family were in a church for seven years and uh one of the leaders the pastor had been saved out of the new age right he was a new ager and he was really ascending within that uh he was he was talking to the ascended masters right like he was in front of them as he was. Um, I don't know if he was dreaming or if he was astral projecting. I can't remember what he was doing. I think he was astral projecting, and he's in front of these entities that are giving him this um, almost like a uh, like a moment of like you're gonna are you committing 100% to us, right? And he said, you know, he had this conviction that something wrong with this no, and then all of a sudden he's a Christian and now he's a pastor, right? And he was a good preacher and all that stuff. And we did work together for years, but he apostatized towards the end and he walked away from the faith. And when I went to meet with him one day to, you know, see where he was at, he was a friend of mine, but I was also kind of like, you know, this guy is uh, like, he's saying, oh yeah, I want to get back in with Jesus and stuff. And I'm just like, "Ah, I just want to test this out. So I'm chatting with this guy, but then as I, bring up more scripture and talk to him and p- try to point him more to Christ and his need for turning away from his old life and its sin and r- repenting and turning to Christ, he starts to change, right? His voice changes. He starts doing weird stuff. Like he, he, he walks into the bathroom and just like pulls down his pants and just goes to the bathroom, sits down right in front of me. Like, and I'm just like, okay, this is really weird and creepy. Like nobody does this and you've never done anything like this before. And then you come out and you just like, he, he's like oppressing me with his words, right? He's like accusing me and all kinds of stuff. But then as he's doing that, he, I'm sitting and he's pacing around the room and I get this feeling, this sense of dread just like comes upon me. It's pushing me down. Right. It's pushing me down. Like it's a, like people have, I've heard people on your podcast, say and other podcasts like I got this sense of dread. Right. And I've never experienced that before and I've never experienced it since. But what this was, and I recognized it at the time, was there was something demonic, satanic, whether that was the Nephilim's bird or, you know, however, like I'm still piecing all that together. But whatever was happening was coming off of him and it was pushing me down. And the only way that I could, like, I let it happen for, you know, maybe 30 seconds. But, but as you know, right, it's like, you got to call upon the name of Christ. So I, like, I stood up and I'm like, I, I rebuked him right in the name of Jesus. I'm like you, this, what you're doing is from the enemy. It's Satan. You've got to like, repent of your sin. You've got to like, this is the only way that you're going to be saved from this. Right. And then his voice changed. And then he's like, eh, you know, like what a good friend you are, you know? And I'm just like, okay, and I call him out again, and then I just I just walk out. Like, I cut ties with him at that moment, right? And, you know, he, as far as I'm aware, he's still in this bitter, vile uh, place, as far as I'm aware, but this was a long time ago. But this was the first real experience that opened up my eyes, and I was just like, wow. Um,
1: so, the, the can we, is real. Um...
0: He's doing his thing, right? So yeah, go ahead. <clears throat>
1: um, so you said that this guy uh was part of the faith, and then he he turned his back at this point, right? And then he, he's he's claiming that he wants to come back to Christ, and so you want to see what this is all about, whether or not there's some validity to it, yeah. right? Um, when you say that uh he's accusing you, right? And they it's interesting, right? Because don't they call Satan the accuser? Yeah. Yeah. So what is it that he is uh, accusing you of?
0: I, I think it could be a mixture of things like when you when you have these demonic experiences and what I've learned as well from listening to other accounts is that the enemy can be accusing you of something that you've done in the past or it can be he can be accusing you of things that are made up. Or of, uh, you know, mixing in with that person's hurt feelings or whatever it is, right? Like, so this person has hurt feelings and so now they're accusing you, but you name it. I think the the first the first thing would be if, because spirits are, they're not all knowing, but they know a whole lot, if you know what I mean, right? So like these demons, they, they can know a lot. They can look at your life as a snapshot in and see things from the past, right? And I believe even, you know, things in the future because y- you, you've you already had people on that would have, like, dream. I was listening the other day to the guy that got robbed, you know, like, um, and, you know, like, and then the next, like, he had a dream about getting robbed and then the next day he got robbed or a couple of days later. And it's like, so these spirits are aware of what's going on in your life. So if you have unrepentant sin in your life, this is the first thing, right? It's like, who are you to accuse my host of sin, right, this person that I'm indwelling at the moment, who are you to accuse him? Because what about your own sin? What about the things that you have done, which, you know, God is like, would be not cool with, or whatever, right? That's This is why it's important as, you know, someone who's getting involved with this type of stuff. And I don't think people go out to think, oh, I want to I become an exorcist. You know, like, I'm going to go out there and become a a Christian exorcist and, like, get demons out of people. But it's inevitable that when it happens, you have to recognize that you personally are going to bear the brunt of this evil thing that's just disgusting, that hates not only the host, but hates you and hates humanity, right? Like, this is—Satan hates humans. He hates that we're made in the image of God. He wants to kill us, and he wants to bring down as many of us to hell as he can, right? So this is why he, they do this kind of thing. So the first thing is they're going to accuse you of sins, right? And then the next thing is that they're going to accuse you of sins that are forgiven in your life, right? Like, ultimately in Christ, all all of our sins are forgiven, but we do we do need to go to to Christ and, and repent. Like, as a, as you know, as a Christian, I can sin today. You know, I'm not— planning to go out and sinning but once I've realized that I've done that or it was willful or whatever I need to go to Christ and ask for forgiveness and you can do that and these things can still accuse you it's like remember like you're a porn addict you know like you've been involved in porn for like 10 years like you you know like think of all the times that you've hurt your wife and hurt God like they're going to accuse you of that that's going to come up right and then beyond that it's just you know, there's going to be things where they're just going to lie. They're just going to accuse. Like, there's nothing good in a, in a demon slash Nephilim spirit. You know, like these things, these things are out to to remain in their host as long as they can and to do as much damage to the people around as they can to lead as many people away from Christ as they can. You know, this is their mission, their goal, right?
1: Right. I, I actually did an episode with a guy named Dickie Walnuts. Um, I don't believe his name is Dickie Walnuts, but that's what he went by. And uh, <laughs> Dickie is a solid dude, and we had a great conversation. And one of the things that he said, he had an encounter with an entity. Um, okay. he, he woke up from a, a sort of a, a nap. He thought he had fallen asleep on the sofa in the living room. And he went to go to his room, noticed that uh, his dog was, wasn't oh, I, noticing yeah, I him. I heard
0: this one. This is a good one.
1: Yeah. It was really horrifying actually. And so he's trying to get his dog's attention. His dog doesn't uh, notice him. And so he just kind of gives up and goes, all right, dude, you're going to sleep out here. And so he starts making his way to his room. And as he's doing this, he notices one entity and it's fucking horrifying. He notices another entity and it's absolutely horrifying, but he's in such a weird state of mind that he's kind of just looking at the ground and he's not paying attention to it. And, uh, and then he makes his way to his room and he's in his bed and he says, he's not there for more than like you know a few seconds or something like that and then the next thing you know he's experiencing paralysis and he's experiencing this thing uh pressing him into the bed and one of the things he described was like mm. this uh you know otherworldly grin which is always mm. interesting to me because you know uh, one of the theories i have from all the information that i've gathered is that a lot of these spirits and entities that people encounter not only are they uh in some extreme cases the fallen themselves Uh, But that they may actually be the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim who, when their uh, earthly form perishes, their spirits are trapped in a realm and they can still affect us. And they are potentially the the demonic encounters that we're having. And so uh, the Nephilim were described as having—
0: They're outside, but they want in. And I'd like to touch on that after you finish, uh, just about that permission aspect.
1: Yes, yeah, the uh, the permission aspect is definitely one of these things. It goes all the way into vampire lore, but I think it is a real thing. And so uh, this thing has this, you know, this uh, disgusting grin, this supernatural grin. And it's always interesting to me because you'll hear that theme a lot through Paranormal Encounters. And they did describe the Nephilim as having... Uh, Two rows of teeth, if I'm not mistaken, and they were cannibals. They're these giants. They're able to eat human beings. If you look at the show, and I know it's Mm. just a show, it's just an anime, but Attack on Titan is uh, virtually about the Nephilim without calling them the Nephilim, unless they they may actually do it. Um, I'm not too sure. I haven't watched the show, but they have these horrifying grins. And so these entities will often have that. But one of the details that stuck out to me as as you're telling your story is that Dickie had this thing accuse him and mm-hmm. it's bringing up things that he has done and feels guilty of, but also things that he, he hasn't done, uh, just kind of making shit up yeah. and, and mm-hmm. throwing that in his face. And so, um, you know, and then going right back to what we said a moment ago is this idea of, uh, Satan being the accuser. And I have had a, a fair share of experiences with a uh, schizophrenic people, um, and wow. that is often right Right now on Nephilim Death Squad, we're trying to get a clinical psychologist named Jerry Marzinski to come on the show. And Jerry, uh, even though he's a clinical psychologist, he himself has come to the conclusion that schizophrenia um, in the extreme cases of hearing voices and things like this, uh, he thinks that it actually is demonic oppression, demonic. Yeah possession. And so, uh, and really that's because of the nature of what these things can tell these people. There's often like a sort of hidden knowledge aspect to it. Like they'll, the voices will call out something preemptively that's about to happen, or the voices will lead the victim towards something that's hidden, uh, and something that would otherwise get them in trouble. They'll tell you where the money is in the house, you know, something like that. Go take the money, go check in this drawer. You'll find it there. Um, and often these schizophrenic people will, go into these tangents of accusing. I have seen it myself. Uh, I've I've been exposed to it on, on maybe like two or three different occasions. And I know that it's not just in a vacuum. I've heard this before from other people. They'll go on a tangent of accusing you of something, something that you didn't do, or maybe they'll even bring up in a very horrifying way, something that you did do that they shouldn't know. And so this this line between schizophrenia mental illness and demonic oppression and possession is a very very thin line it's very fickle and yeah yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. i i would argue that there's a lot of evidence that suggests there is no line that these are one and the same uh and so you know i, I just yeah, i, I had to go off to on a tangent because i see all these little things connecting the accusing the the the, the, the voices you know the, the the entities that you encounter the way they look and all these different things and then of course Uh, you know, it all plugs into once again, guys, uh, the biblical worldview, you know, I have a lot of people who listen to this show and I I just like to say for a moment, um, I may not seem like somebody who is a believer in Christ. And I also know uh, just because of my, like my rhetoric, like I'm kind of a troll, I'm a shit poster and I'll put out good information, (laughs) half wild and fun stuff. And then I'll also sprinkle in over the top of that, some sort of aggressive trolling here and there uh, because it's fun and it generates, uh, you know, I I just go back and forth between my interests. I want to do this at one moment. I want to do that at one moment. But despite the way I look from the outside, I very much genuinely believe that all of this stuff, this occultism, this paranormal aspects, this uh, Mm. conspiracy theory, believe me, or at least entertain the idea that I have been doing this for 16 years and it took that long for me to finally, like, put my hands up and go like, I'm not gonna lie, it works. The biblical lens works. And if you can suspend all of the cultural programming we've been subjected to, to like immediately have a reaction to the idea of Christianity or to the idea of the Bible or to the idea of Christ, um, suspend that because you can make an argument, especially people that are listening to this show, you're in the truth or community, you're critical thinkers, you wouldn't be here otherwise entertain the the thought for a moment that you have been programmed uh, to have a visceral reaction to the idea of Christianity, the Bible and Christ. And, and if you can entertain that idea that you've been deceived, because guess what guys, you've been deceived a gang of times. I always say we're subjected to the most advanced propaganda machine that human beings have ever been subjected to. And, and nobody will argue that point. Everybody goes, yeah, that's probably fucking true. If that's true, then throw into that propaganda machine Christianity and Christ. And imagine for a moment that there's a possibility that they skewed your beliefs or they skewed your ability to discern truth from Mm. fiction. And if that's true, give it a second. Entertain it. And you may just find, like I have found, after 16 years of fucking research, it works, guys. There is definitely something to this. So, uh, Mm. but I I just wanted to get that out there. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry about the tangent
0: no it's all good no like so but what you're talking about is truth the like people will come around people can come around to truth through experience, but if you're um you're gonna keep your guard up um because you got hurt in the past through church and I mean like like the church is full of sinful people right? this is the this is the the reason why church exists is for people to like meet with their creator and have a a reconnection with him through faith, belief, and repenting of sin. But, like, it happens progressively. Like, the salvation happens in the moment that you receive, but your life change happens over time. So, yeah, there's people get hurt and stuff like that, but, you know, you've got to recognize that we're still sinners. We're still struggling with sin. Like, the Apostle Paul, the greatest man probably to ever— one of the greatest men to ever live— wrote most of the New Testament— Romans 7, he talks about how he still struggles with sin. And this is post-salvation, right? Like, he's believed. He used to murder Christians, and then Christ appeared to him, right? He literally appeared to him physically, knocked him off his horse, blinded him, and said, why are you accusing me, right? He said to Paul, right, like, why are you accusing me? Because Paul has nothing to accuse Christ of. He is God incarnate, and he's perfect. So, you know, if the enemy is willing to accuse Christ, which he has done, then, you know, like he's going to accuse us. But like he knocks Paul off of his horse and saves him. And then Paul is a Christian now. He believes like all all the pieces fit together for him now. Right. About God. Because he knew the law and all that stuff. Right. But all of a sudden with the renewed life through faith and the Holy Spirit, like it's the only spirit you want to be indwelled by. Right. Like I give permission for the Holy Spirit to live inside of me. Right. And that's what happened to Paul, but he still struggled with sin. Right? So you're still gonna experience pain and hurts in church and all these different places. And you might even have people that aren't even Christians in churches. Like, someone raped my child in church. It's like, how do you know that was even a Christian? I bet you it wasn't. Because this isn't what Christ does. So I bet that person was LARPing as a Christian or whatever, right? So we don't take a lot of this into account and people get hurt, then they walk away because something happened to them, but, you know, sin is in this world and you have to contend with it. And Christ, faith in Christ is the way that you contend with it and the Holy Spirit, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know, like I have other things, other experiences, um, that would tie into this as well, but this whole, this whole, for me, this whole, um, psyop, as it were, the spiritual psyop that comes from the enemy is to, to distract people away from the truth. Right. This is the way that they take people down. And like on your show, a lot of the time people are oppressed by spirits and we've had those experiences, especially if my wife is a Christian, but she came from like, you know, there was some like uh, Buddhist backgrounds some spiritual stuff, ancestor worship, and it's very spiritual. And also she got involved with like playing around with Ouija boards as a kid and friends who, you know, had haunted houses and they would go into a room and look at the pictures and go out and go back in. The pictures are all upside down, you know, and uh, the hat man coming into our house a couple of times in our room. Right. Like that happened. And these are oppressive things to people that like believe in Christ and that Satan has no foothold. But then there's the. Is the deception side, people that are, they don't know anything about Christ. And then the enemy comes along all nice and they're gonna help, Satan's gonna help you with something, right? Some spirit's gonna help you with something in order to keep you distracted from the truth. And that's what I contend with a lot from the, the native community, right? The first nations is that they're being distracted away from the truth so spirits come and give them things and lead them in the wrong direction not necessarily oppressing them because they don't need to be oppressed. They're already not in the truth, right? But those who are in the truth and believe in Christ, they get, you know, they get oppressed and, right? And so, yeah, I don't know. There's the two sides, right? Like Christ is truth. You're either going to be oppressed because you believe it, or you're going to be distracted away from the
1: truth if you don't believe it so oh, i do want to double back on something um actually didn't even write it down, but you just reminded me so this idea that um the gentleman that you were communicating with that that was accusing you did you say he was a pastor?
0: He was we had to fire him
1: <laughs> <laughs> understandably so uh so he was uh the way you put it earlier, channeling ascended masters, right yeah. so what I've discovered recently uh one of the things that that i was talking about on a recent episode was this idea that David Icke, um, sort of the king of the reptilians, uh, as far as bringing that information mainstream and and really popularizing it within the conspiracy community, uh, I did not know and was not aware that uh, David Icke was actually channeling, in his words, the, I don't know if it was ascended masters, but I know it was the spirits of the Atlanteans. Uh, that is specifically who was giving him This information about reptilians, about this idea that we're going to spiritually evolve, we're going to spiritually ascend, you know, this idea of going into the new age, uh, whether it's the age of Aquarius, really sort of um, the foundation to the new age movement was given to Ike. And I'm not saying that Ike was uh, um, responsible for the new age movement. There was obviously a lot of people who came before Ike, but certainly for my generation, I'm 33 years old. And so when I first started getting into conspiracy theories 16, 17 years old. David Icke was one of them. Alex Jones was another one. There's a bunch of these characters, right? Uh, The Galactic Federation of Light is fucking talking about ascended masters and dear ones and how this, you know, uh, group of enlightened beings is going to help us move into the next stage of of, uh, spiritual evolution. Um, There is no shortage of people who uh, uh, seem to be channeling entities and, Look, I can't I I don't want to go too far into that because we're going to derail and I very much be interested in hearing uh, some of your other experiences. But when people claim to channel entities and they don't entertain for even a moment that these things are lying, people are capable of lying and people, some of them are capable of lying on a scale that you couldn't even imagine manipulating yeah. people in a way that you would think is unachievable and yet if through I the right context you level. can yeah. see yeah. yes a mass level exactly mass uh, formation psychosis uh the propaganda machine you know as i was saying before what makes you think that people are the tip of the spear when it comes to uh, their their capabilities of lying you know yeah. if if you are communing with entities, whatever they're claiming to be, you can't even see these things. Uh, and then we also know that the fallen were shapeshifters, so you can't even trust what you see. Um, yeah. What makes you think that these things are not capable and are not lying to you? And you know, in the Book of Revelations, it says that you know there, there's a great deception. And that's one of the things that really upsets me, right? Because we're in this, this era right now where everybody, I posted a, a, a survey the other day, a poll, and it was like, we are in the great, and it was either you could pick awakening, deception, or reset. Reset was kind of a throwaway one because it's a world economic forum term. And I knew that one wasn't going to get the traction. And The real fight, the real fight is between this awakening and this deception. I am of the school of thought of thinking that we are in the great deception Uh, and that we are being fed what, what looks like a great awakening, what looks like all this groundbreaking information that's funneling out of things like QAnon or, you know, the new age movement, all this different crap. And it's, it's just kind of a, uh, an egotistical thing, a hubris thing, right? To think for a second, like, oh no, this is definitively the, the great awakening that we're in Mm. because what, because you figured out the deception like I don't know yeah. what the answer is. I don't know nobody knows how big right? the lie has really a different is. View, so how do you know? Exactly. And it's like yeah. this idea that like oh no, the deception is breaking. We've already seen through that. Why? Because and I am not knocking anybody. If you if you've recently come to conspiracy theories, you've recently found yourself in the truther community uh, because of things like COVID-19 and QAnon and things like that. I'm not knocking you. It's great to have woken up. I want to caution you and say the amount of times that I've been wrong is astronomical. I have been wrong so many times. And yeah. if you're new to this game, take it from me. I'm I'm a little bit of an OG at this point. You're going to be wrong a lot. And mm-hmm. it's only when you are wrong and you can shed this old stupid paradigm and toss that behind you that you might have a chance at figuring out the next thing. And the idea that you who have just woken up in the past five years or so, even me, who has just woken up in the past 16 years which in the grand schemes of things is a drop in the bucket it's a blip in time the idea that i would have it all figured out and that i know what the great deception really is about is hubris beyond the wildest imagination you know we're talking about yeah. a, a deception that's launched by by satan uh you know yeah. the master of lies yeah but it's gonna go in it it's out. gonna
0: spider off in all kinds of directions, right? Because so long as you can keep people believing something that's not the truth, it doesn't matter what they believe. And this gets down to the, the conversation of epistemology, which is the the understanding of how do you know what you know. Because things happen in this world, you know, like Epstein was flying people to this island, and you know, there was this person that died in a car crash, and there was this person that, you know, committed suicide, but they were hanging with two bullets went to the head, right? Like things like that. And that you have this raw data, right? You have all of this raw data, like the data points come in thick and fast every single day. And you've got people piecing it together and everybody's coming up with the wrong, conc- or it's not wrong, but different conclusion. And, but but the, the we've got to go back to the epistemological basis for understanding knowledge, right? Because if you're going to have a, a belief um that is based in falsehood, right? Like, it's like, okay, I, I'm i a new age guy and I believe in the ascended masters and all that stuff, and that's my religion. That's your basis of your worldview. So you put everything into that framework, right? As a Christian, we believe, and the Bible declares that Christ is truth, right? Like Pontius Pilate, when he was interviewing Christ before, because this was the Roman guy that could have let Christ go or handed him over to be crucified, right? He private audience with him and jesus is talking and then he goes basically he's like what is truth Pilate says to him what is truth he just doesn't understand and then jesus is like well i am right like i am the truth i'm the epitome of the truth i'm the creator of this world um that everything springs from me so for us we we have to recognize that all of these data points that come in has to be held up to a particular standard and if it's not held up to that standard, or if there's something wrong with the standard, the standard is tilted, or the standard has fallen over, it's broken. You can't comp- you can't make sense of anything. And what good is what good is this conspiracy theory community without ultimate truth, right? And you know, Christ declares himself as ultimate truth. Some people will believe that. Some people won't. It's not to say that people who are believers in different religions or no religion at all or whatever can't come up with uh, a correct answer for certain things. But at the end of the day, higher than these data points is the fact that truth came into this world, right? And that we have to hold all things up to that, right? That's that, That's what I like to uh, point people back to because there's a verse in the Bible, First uh, John 5, when I'm talking to my native friends on the street who are like talking to spirits, and a, an ancestor of like a grandfa- his grandfather came in, t- to, in a dream and told them to do something, was leading them. They go out to a sweat lodge and they do, you know, and they do all this different stuff and there's the, all this data coming in, right? But I'm just like, hey, next time you have that experience, when that spirit shows up, why don't you ask them what they say about Christ, right? Because First John 5 says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Right? So like, that's the, the way that we know him, but then you've got this other test here. It says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets or false spirits. Right. Have gone out into the world by this, you know, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, right? The truth. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Right. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist can be in anyone at any point. It can be affecting anyone. Like it's just a spirit, any spirit that sets himself up against the truth and against Christ. Right, so little children, you are from God, and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. This is why when you call out to Christ when you're being oppressed is that this thing lifts off of you. but when people are being misled, this is why you this is why I say to them like next time you see that spirit, ask it what it says about Christ, right? And I ask people on the street who are like I'll be preaching at church because we preach outdoors outside the shelter, <clears throat> and people will manifest in front of us like. Demons will manifest in front of us. And we're asked, you know, like people just change and they freak out and they yell and accuse and all kinds of stuff. And we're asking them, you know, like, what do you say about Christ? And they'll say the most vile things about Christ. Oh, "Oh, he wasn't God. That's the, the nicest thing they'll say. But they'll say all kinds of other stuff. Right. So this is this is how you can test the spirit. It's like, hey, to everybody else all around here, you see what I'm saying? It's like this person is clearly in bitterness and just the bile of satanic possession see how christ is true because see what this person is manifested basically in front of you right it's it's easy to see it's black and white right it's very very easy to see
1: so what's really wild about that too is um, i still have a lot of perspective without the biblical lens because that's kind of how my, if you want to call it training, that's how my brain was trained. And it was only recently that I've discovered this. But what I would have connected that to and obviously did in this moment is this idea that like there is an objective truth, right? The truth Mm -hmm. is incredibly important. That's my relationship with the truth is incredibly important. People sometimes will give me pushback on that. Like, why is that so important to you? And I'm like, I can't even understand that question. Like, what what do you mean? Why is the truth important? The truth is... You know, the most important thing in the world to me that or else I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be wasting my breath for all these years and all, all this time in this research. Um, but we live in an era right now where the truth is more convoluted possibly than it's ever been. And I would say I would even go as far as say definitively more convoluted than it's ever been, because previously, whoever sought to muddy the waters and make truth hard to find didn't have the apparatus available that, you know, is available today. Mm-hmm. Well, with social media and just media at large, Hollywood as this massive propaganda machine, you know all the various apparatus that's associated with that. It's, NASA is is a giant propaganda machine in my opinion. Yeah. And so the 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 apparatus that's available to a high level liar is they've got an arsenal now. And right yeah. now it's like people. I mean, you you have this idea even in 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 school where uh, you see these anecdotal stories of teachers trying to go, well, there's a new way to do mathematics, right? Uh, it's common <laughs> core math. And, and then I see these things of like, Oh, well, uh, two plus two doesn't always equal four. sometimes two plus two equals five. And I don't even want to, I don't even what the, I don't know what that means. I don't want to know what that means because it's the biggest crock of bullshit I've ever heard. But it's like, yeah, now a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and, and all, everything is inverted and there's no, objective truth we can't even you know you had that matt walsh thing uh go on and and uh what was it at the height of it what is a woman and people couldn't even answer that there there is an erosion uh i would say a a purposeful erosion of objective truth and you can't erode it honestly in my opinion because it doesn't matter what you do to it it's still Mm. the truth and so you can tell me that a woman is a person that identifies as a woman and that doesn't matter you know what your 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 birth circumstances were or what your dna says or anything like that it's just what you identify it that's entirely bullshit so honestly at the end of the day all these attempts to erode the truth are incredibly weak but people's minds have become so porous uh that for some people that is compelling which is wild Mm -hmm. but across you you could name a front and and given some time i can tell you where the erosion of truth is in, in 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 what regard and so the truth is the most important thing in the world. And we're at this edge of like, we were just talking about this great deception, right? Well, I I believe we're in the end times. It seems very obvious to me, which isn't a doom and gloom thing. I mean, if we are in the end times, that's fantastic, right? Because that means that everything is true and that, that, uh, Christ is returning and there is an afterlife and there is a God and all of these things are real. And so that is actually mm-hmm. in my mind, a positive thing. It doesn't bring me any, any sort of, uh, negative contention. I don't feel bad about right. that. I go like, Oh, this is dope. Every time I see something that fits more into the biblical lens, I'm like, Fuck yeah, dude. So like, I don't feel bad about it, but yeah. you can, you can tell we're in a battle, uh, currently a struggle with objective truth. You know, the, the whole mm-hmm. Palestine-Israel thing just happened, and mm-hmm. we don't know what is going on, right? Uh, wars and rumors of wars. We don't know what's up from that. Da- the whole thing is like nobody, we're having all this dialogue on the internet, and we can't even agree about the basis, the foundation upon which we're having this dialogue. Right. The, the fundamental truths of the things that we're arguing. And if you can't even ag- agree about the fundamentals, a man is a man is, and a woman is a woman, if we can't even agree on that, then we can't have a dialogue and we're, we're thrown into chaos
0: yeah this is what you're explaining is essentially the age-old religion the age-old false religion which is basically if you boil down any false religion um, down to its root it's the deification of man and what you want and what you say is truth right so you know and this is why you hear people saying, well that's not that's not my truth. Right. It's true to you. That's great. But that's not true to me. And it's like, I mean, like this is this. But but in if you place that person as the central person in creation as God, like this is what we do. This is what human beings who are born into this world, born as sinners because of the curse. We deify ourselves. We make ourselves the center of attention. Look at your child. Right. Like you, you don't have to train your kid to be selfish. Right, they're selfish naturally. They think that they're God, right? And especially when they're little, you have to literally just feed them and you know change them and all this because they become the center of this world. So as they grow, you have to wean them out of it and you have to break their hearts and say, "You're not God, right? Like you're not God. There is a higher. There's someone higher than yourself." And this is it's because as, as human beings, we're created in the image of God, and God is one and many. It's like God is one. God but in three persons right so we we struggle with this whole uh, individualistic versus collectivist idea and we can't piece it together unless you have Christ and you, unless you understand the true nature of God is that there's perfect unity even though it doesn't seem like it with the with the one and the many Right? Of the one God and the many God, like it's just together, right? Like and that we as human beings are supposed to be connected with God. We become one with God, even though we're many. But we can become one with God, but we're not God. Right? And and we're not the we're not the the standard. We're not the sole principle that everything else looks up to, right? But that's what you see in society. It's like You get a whole bunch of people get together, you know, we call ourselves Black Lives Matter. And we want everybody to see our truth as the only truth. Everyone will bow to us. But then you'll notice that once you get everyone to bow to them, then within their group, they splinter up. Because it's like, oh, yeah, you've got Black Lives Matter, but actually Black trans lives matter is more important. Then the group splinters up. It's because without Christ, you cannot have unity. Right? You're not going to get it. You're just going to get chaos, right? This is the whole nature of God. And he created everything and created order. And if you reject God, everything falls apart. It turns to chaos. This is the nature of it, right? And we see it all the time. We see it like belief in Christ and the truth of the king will bring you into unity with him and with others. Rejection will bring disunity, chaos, and death. That's really the simple fact,
1: right? sentiment um my truth our truth I, th- never has there been a more venomous sentiment in in my opinion because no yeah. it's there's the truth the, the truth doesn't belong to you you don't have a uh you know you're, you're not the arbiter of truth you don't have a monopoly on truth that's the same thing that we would um get angry at the media for you know this right. idea that the media is the disseminator of truth or when they were trying to and still are passing these uh sweeping censorship laws on the internet. Well, then the big question is, um, who decides what the truth is? We saw that during uh, uh, COVID and, you know, we can't even use that word too much or else fucking I'll get like a strike or some shit. But this idea (laughs) that people were spreading information, you had characters like Dr. Uh, Robert Malone and Peter McCullough, and they're they're trying to, you know, caution people against one thing or the other. And uh, myself included, uh, I was posting their information and I was getting censored constantly. And it's like, well, who's the arbiter of truth? who decides right. what's what's right and wrong. And without something like you said higher than us, without Christ, without yeah. God, then we have no standard for the truth. And then what it's up to man, it's up to 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 you know, I I know dudes like my wife used to be a Jehovah witness and she would often be uh, berated and made to feel oh, embarrassed yeah. and they they do like a thing they'll go in the room with you and it's like confessions but it's much more like there's it's several of them yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, these guys are, you know, my wife was a teenager. She kissed a boy. Well, tell me about it. Where were you? How did you feel? What was it like? You know, how did you feel afterwards? And they're asking all these intimate details. And and meanwhile, uh, one of the dudes like works at Walmart. And I'm like, whoa. So this is the person that I have to answer to. Like I answer to God, not not, not to you. And And this idea that I'm going to go like, you know, in this room. You're going to tell me, uh, uh, you know, you, you're going to want me to confess to you and you're going to judge me and, and, and all these different things. And then and then you moonlight as a greeter at Walmart is it's it's outlandish. Uh, and so, yeah, without a higher standard, we're leaving the truth up to and the, defining the truth up to. I, I shouldn't be left to define the truth. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it, It's true. But uh, like some people are not going to like what I said. Right. Like, I mean, the Bible does say and I believe this true. Really, is that we don't like being told that there is a God and because it comes into conflict with what we feel like we're God, right? Like, essentially, that's what it boils down to. But, you, whatever worldview that you're going to hold, you're going to have to hold it in faith, okay? Like, I can't prove God to you, right? The Bible, like, I believe the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit is that God will prove Himself to you but also not just through his word, but through circumstances in life. But everybody has to take a leap of faith somewhere and trust in something somewhere, right? Like, you know, like if you're an atheist, right? You have to take a leap of faith. You can't prove that God isn't real. So, okay, so you're taking a leap leap of faith into that. You have this faith decision and then you base all your decisions in this worldview. Now, if you have the wrong worldview and the wrong underlying belief, you're going to be going all off in the wrong direction. I wanted to mention there was a um, there was a native fellow, really good friend of mine that we used to work together in the welding shop for years. And I've got another friend who was a Christian, and we would preach. You know, we would talk about Christ every day with him. At, you know, for months and months, right? We would just be sharing the gospel, and then one day he goes, "You know, I don't believe in I don't believe in the Christian God." Like, I've already had experiences that deny. So he says deny what you say is true i believe in the native traditions right and okay go, go ahead and tell us like what what was the reason why he's like well because there was this one time when i went to see the medicine man right medicine man you know the shaman right um the elder in the community who had spiritual powers and i had a bad back and i went to see the medicine man and the medicine man did this weird thing where he rubbed his hands together and then he put a straw in his mouth and he stuck the straw into my back, and he sucked on the straw, and he pulled out this thing out of my back. The pain instantly went away, and it was like a ball of hair, and then he like tossed it or burned it. I can't remember what he said he did with it, but then the pain was gone. So I experienced physical healing from whatever the medicine man did. So I don't believe in Jesus, right? Because, you know, he's never healed me of anything. I have no relationship to Christ, but I do believe in the native religion because he healed me when he did that, right? So now that's the crazy thing about testing the spirit, right? Like you're not, you're assuming that that the belief that you have is correct because you experience something positive from it. That's the biggest danger. It's not the, honestly, the biggest danger is not the hat man coming to you in in the night. That's like that's waking so many people up. That play that the enemy is doing that's waking so many people up. It's like what the hell? Like I need, I need. This is beyond me. Like I do not know. But I remember like Jesus, right? I'm gonna call up to Jesus, and then boom, right? Like what if that, that's that's an obvious play that's gonna just point people to, you know, the truth. But the deception, that's where you've got to look out. The people that get wrapped up in their spiritualism and stuff, and they're benefiting from it, and maybe they're getting paid in it, or they're getting healed, quote-unquote. But this is all, this is a scary thing, right? It's deceiving people away from even being able to come to the truth, right?
1: No, it is wild. I've heard things of that nature before. Um, even in exorcisms, uh, this extraction of like something that is reminiscent of like a ball of hair or like a bunch of hair or like people will okay. start throwing up hair. It's interesting that that, uh, will wow. manifest itself like that, but you're right; like, there are I I had the same experience where uh, my audience is familiar with, and I don't know if you heard it, but like the the sort of experiences that I had were uh, my wife and I, and then eventually my son saw the same entity and out of desperation, I prayed to Christ and it worked like a charm. And I always tell people that um, I have a sort of like a loyalty built into me. Like loyalty is very important. Uh, I I think that, Mm. you know, like that, that loyalty extends to my wife, to my son, like, you know, I wouldn't cheat on my wife because I wouldn't do that to her. But I also wouldn't devalue myself like that. But I also wouldn't uh disrespect my son like that. You know, like there's there's a, a big loyalty thing that that's built into the way that I see the world. And when I uh when I had that experience and I called out to Christ and and I was saved from it in that moment. And m- more importantly to me, my my family. Was saved from it. My son yes. was saved from it. And that was like really important to me because I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do or how to stop it. And the idea that I would um call on Christ in my hour of need and then and then like sort of toss it away in the future once, you know, because mm. the fear of the memory fades. It it yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. scare me the same way now as it did in that mm-hmm. moment. I, I can't recreate the desperation that I felt in that moment. And I know that. And I always keep that in my mind, like don't don't take it easy and and you know suddenly become wishy washy just because you're not feeling that level of desperation on a constant basis, and because of that, you're not feeling the same level of appreciation for you right. know what Christ did in that moment. So I always keep that in my mind like I'm never gonna, but you're right that is easy, right? The easy thing is yeah. you see something <laughs> horrifying. Uh, which people yeah. will you can find there's no shortage of i called out to christ save me from a demonic paranormal experience it's me UFO from an abduction yeah exactly yeah Bigfoot even all kinds of crazy shit uh yeah. and so that's easy right it's easy to call out to christ when you're desperate and and yeah. I, i'm grateful for having had that experience because um like i said i was obs- i'm a- always have been obsessed with the truth and so you know all these years as a kid trying to search and put pieces together and find information and trying to fit it into how the world works. I think, in a, in a lot of ways, I needed that. So, like, I always say that the greasy demon fucked up because it showed itself yeah, to me. And exactly, once you did that, exactly. like, okay, I know it's on now.
0: And then Christ showed his loyalty to you in saving you from that time and the other few times. So, now as a person that you, you know, like, you're showing that loyalty back to him now it's basically it's building faith in you right so that now in the future you're not going to have as many of these situations by god's grace you don't have to like demons like trying to like smother you in the night putting their knees on your throat anymore right because now you know like you're in you've moved into christ's kingdom through belief and you're one of his people but now now this is where you got to watch because the deception is going to come right now it's like okay i got to know the truth I got to I gotta be in my Bible. I got to like be praying. I got to be asking the Holy Spirit to lead me because if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you, some other spirit certainly would want to, right? Um, like, I, like, I don't know if you've, I don't know where I heard this, but like I've done a lot of research recently over like uh, native spiritualism and all that kind of stuff. But like a medicine man, in order to, be- have you ever heard of how someone becomes a medicine man? Well, oh, we're locked up. Yo,
1: yo, yo. That's interesting. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you now. I locked up for a second.
1: Oh, that's strange. Oh, that's uh, okay. It's still recording. I can just edit that little part out. Okay. But um, you asked okay. how a medicine man comes about. And and I think yeah, yeah, that yeah. my – unless I'm thinking about a skinwalker, um, this idea that there has to be a high-level betrayal of a loved one.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I've, I haven't heard that. Ooh, no, I have heard that from – getting into like the skinwalker ranch stuff. And yeah, then I might be skin like that. Thing. But, but then when it comes to like a medicine, man, like if, if you want to become a medicine, man, basically what you do is you go out into the wilderness, you starve yourself, right? You don't eat, you don't drink. And for four nights, you have to invite this thing to come. So you go out there the first night, you get yourself into this spiritual state of, you know, like weakness because you haven't eaten and you haven't drunk anything, right? So, and then you start to meditate or whatever however they do it. And then basically what you're doing is you're inviting this spirit in. What this spirit will do after the first night or the second night is it will show up and it will intimidate you. It will be there, it will be making sounds or it, you can actually see it or whatever it is. And then you have to stick that out for four days. This thing will potentially throw you around and beat the shit out of you.
1: But can I can I interrupt can, for a second? Yeah. <clears throat> what is that that to me that sounds like Christ in the desert being tempted by the devil. Except the goal isn't to resist the devil or resist Satan in this particular right. instance, it's <clears throat> to invite it in. It's the exact same crazy. thing.
0: <clears throat> but if you make it through that four nights, that thing will be like, "All right, this person's serious." And it'll enter in. You gave it permission, and now it's in you. And then, <laughs> I mean, it's the same as like when you hear people of like selling their souls to the devil and stuff like that. Like, imagine being that distracted away from the truth through false belief and false religion that it can even be cultural that causes you to be the person that goes to the top of a mountain and asks a demon or a Nephilim spirit to come and live inside you. Like, it's like. <sighs> Right? So so basically, but the thing is, is that now this person is now um, a plant of the enemy in that community. And now, of course, I'm talking to my friend who I'm trying to get him to believe in Christ, and he just won't because he's already he's already experienced in this world a very tangible experience that proves to him that Jesus isn't real and that the native religion is. But it was demons the whole time, you know, just scary stuff, man. And then there's drug Mm. use too. Like drug use is another one. Like drug use is is condemned in the Bible. Now I'm open to like the research on like all of this different stuff and what we should and shouldn't do. But at the end of the day, in general, in Deuteronomy 18, it says that one of the condemned practices that when you go into the land that you're going to inhabit and that you should not be doing of the people that are already in the land, I'm kicking them out because of this, is because they do sorcery, which in the Greek translates to pharmakeia, which is drug use, right? So this is how people interact with entities, right? Like you're going to smoke the peace pipe, you're going to do um, peyote, you're going to do ayahuasca, all of these different things enters you into that realm. And this is why, again, like when I'm on the streets and I'm trying to preach the gospel, I'm preaching to people who are drug addicts, right? And they trip and they, they see stuff all the time, like see stuff all the time. But they've opened themselves up. The spiritual veil, like the veil of this world, comes down a little bit when you when you take certain substances, right? And then you you see the spiritual world face to face. And God is like, I don't want you to see the spiritual world face to face through drug use or you know asking demons to come into you. I want you to contend with the spiritual world the way that I intend, which is. Through me, like you come to me, I'm the only source of good. You do it the way that I condemned it. I did it for your safety because you don't know what's on the other end. Right? It's like the the Lord of the Rings, right? When uh Gandalf is telling um uh Sourman, like, don't touch the 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 Palantir. You don't, you don't know, know who's looking at exactly.
1: Boom. You know, I'm thinking about this episode that I did with Paul of Understanding Conspiracies. Paul was the guy who did the uh, the really extensive research on the Nephilim Look like clowns, really compelling theory. Wow. Um, yeah, but yeah. one of the things that he said was that the DMT realm he likened it to you have a an you sort of an ornamental uh, rug, right? And it's covered in all this beautiful design and different colors and things like that. And that's our world. And if you lift up the rug and you look underneath it, all you have is this kind of cross hatching and stitching of, uh, you know, what the rug looks like. So the bottom does not mirror the beauty of the top at all. And he says that when you do DMT, you're sort of going to that side of the rug. And then of course, when you're there, you commune with these entities and these entities are one of the things I always think is hilarious is they're giving you information. They're giving you knowledge, right? They're often telling you like ideas and stuff like that. A lot of people have attributed, ideas for inventions or ideas for music or ideas for just concepts in the real world as being given to them by these entities during these experiences. And my show uh, Nephilim death squad, as well as here on the Raven's watch, we often talk about how uh, whether it's the fallen or the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, uh, these entities that people engage with since the dawn of time, uh, you know when they first started giving man agriculture, right? Because a lot of these ancient civilizations will attribute, their knowledge of agriculture or anything that you would consider higher than a hunter gatherer. Uh, mm-hmm. They attribute a, a, a God, a lowercase G uh, the way I put it as. Like being a ones who brought them that information. Yes. And, and the way I see it is like, they've been slowly pushing us through time to become more and more technologically advanced. I think that there is a correlation between their ability to affect us and also their ability to cross over into this realm and, needing us to reach a certain height of uh, technology to be able to pull that off. And we just talked about on the last episode of Neft to America, which is much more of a hang and a fun time. Uh, we talked about Hasbro coming out with a new line of Ouija board that now has AI infused with it, which is hilarious, <laughs> right? Oh man, you're going to uh, so like AI
0: cryptids coming through. Like it's going to be insane.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, in that realm, in that DMT realm, people will often describe these entities as like looking like jesters or something like that. And that plays directly into uh, Paul's theory. But these things, they are uh, a gateway. I've done mushrooms one time. I did a lot of mushrooms. And uh, and I would say that. Yeah. What ended up happening to me, if you if you want to look at it through the lens of what we just said, I was having epiphanous moments over and over and over again, just this Dissemination of information, this understanding, you know this gnosis, right. all of a sudden because of something I, I you know in hindsight, it would have had to have been something disseminating the information from me, uh because really what I was uh experiencing was a constant um uh epiphany, oh that's why that oh, that's why that, oh, that's how that works, and like you don't get that unless somebody's explaining something to you right and and like these experiences uh. Often are that information is fleeting. So like I couldn't tell you a lot of it was about human nature, why people are the way they are, things of like that. Like more psychology, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, but like you would never have epiphanous moment after epiphanous moment unless somebody was disseminating information to you. So now in hindsight, looking back at that, yeah, I was probably having an experience, communing with something. Something was communing yep. with me. Uh, These we we have such a piss poor understanding of the spiritual realm in the West. Yeah. We also have an unhealthy obsession with drug use and yeah. not for nothing, but uh, I've recently become disenfranchised with Joe Rogan. Um, I'm not saying that he's controlled opposition, but certainly yeah. uh, the way that I've come to understand these experiences, like dimethyltryptamine, if you look back, man, how many people is Rogan responsible for leading down a path yeah. that was going to lead to interaction? oppression, and possibly possession by ancient entities that yeah. are biblical in nature, that are our adversaries. Yeah.
0: And then on his head, be it, unless he repents, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> this is why, you know, the biggest, basically the message that has to to go out to everybody, right? Whether you accept it or not, but the message has to go out, uh, is that yeah, this world is a spiritual world. There's all kinds of Gods, demons, watchers, some watchers are good. They're probably, you know, teaching people how to do agriculture, I believe is a good thing, right? Like, that doesn't necessarily come from a fallen watcher. It's just, you know, another person that disseminated information. But at the end of the day, there's these entities out there, there's these spiritual forces that were allowed for a time to deceive people, especially as people rejected God They were subjected to these evil spirits in many ways. But now, post-Christ, Christ has come to tie those things up. And he didn't just do it by coming with, you know, like a spaceship, UFO, laser beams, and just beat them all. He came to go to the root issue. The issue is death, right? Like he came to conquer the great enemy, the one that even watchers and angels and demons are subject to death. Right. And he died for us in order to save us. And he also died to conquer these things. Right. Did did, it it locked up there for a second? Did you get all of that? I kind of froze
1: there. I don't know if this is right um, when I'm right when I'm you froze for a second. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So so I just want to say. This is par for the course. This often happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. in in my experience, we've had moments where it's like, how do we deal with these? What's what's the recourse? And as soon as somebody goes to get into the idea of like Christ is the recourse, uh, the <laughs> technology is always yeah. like,
0: no, stop it. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to like put put that out there. Like Jesus conquered this stuff. He didn't conquer it by just you know the sword. He conquered by allowing the sword to kill him to conquer death. He absorbs the wrath of God that we deserve right, upon himself, and that he gives us now the ability to be in the truth through faith. We can have our sins forgiven. We can get out of these evil religions and and all this different stuff that misleads us, and we can get to the truth. Because Christ opened the door, he is the portal. The Bible says it literally. I am the gate. I'm the gate. Nobody comes to the Father except through me, right? So you come to God through Christ, and uh, now we don't have to fear this stuff anymore, right? We have... The Bible doesn't say that Jesus has um, uh, authority over it. Of course it does, but he's given all authority to us. We have authority over right? So that when there's deception, falsehood, and all kinds of different stuff going in the world, now we know the truth. We can come at it with with the kingdom. And to expand Christ's kingdom is to pull people, even sometimes kicking and screaming, out of the old death kingdom that's going to be judged and going to go and burn with the Nephilim forever. And burn with the watchers forever in the lake of fire we're going to pull them out and we're going to bring them into christ's kingdom right through the gate which is right through the portal right so um yeah, that, like that is that is it in a nutshell that this is every christian's mission and um to to tell this story right and and the church hasn't gotten like you said has really just pushed all the spiritual stuff to one side of all cookie you know, we've got Jesus now, we don't need any of that stuff. It's like, well, okay, well, how do you help somebody who's being oppressed? How do you, like, someone who the hatman's coming in their room every single night. Like, what, what's your answer? Christ is the answer. We have the answer. But if you're not willing to, like, this is why you have to be very careful these days and like, which church you go to. Like, you're in this seminal time where it's like, hey, I think I'm going to, like, start going to church and stuff like that. Well, Oof. Oh, man, sometimes it's like playing Russian roulette. Like, I'm going to go here, and then you're like, damn, I got shot in the head that, there, right? Because some Christians are just so... They don't know their Bibles, and the church is preaching and teaching all kinds of false stuff, right? So get your, find a church that opens a Bible. You've got to open a
1: Bible. That's it. I want to go back to what you said, because we're closing in on this hour and a half, yeah. Mark, and yeah. I, I think that there's no um, stopping that spirit of adventure there's no stopping the spirit of exploration and there's yep. no stopping the spirit of truth seeking and if you try to stop it 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 doesn't work um and often it's going to lead people exploring in the wrong direction or mm-hmm. and i think what you said before is actually very clever and and i would give this to people who uh or re- reiterate what you said to people who are insistent on exploring, who are insistent on trying these, um, these substances, communing with these spirits, ask them about Christ. That's mm. a great move, dude, because if you're going to do it anyway and like, look, I don't advise it, but hats off to you for, yep. for going into the darkness and trying to figure out what's going on. On this show, what I do is I try to just expose things. I want to shine a light on things that are mysterious and strange to people, uh, things that people don't think exist forces that people don't think exist. Uh, I think the worst version of being deceived is for you to not believe it exists at all. It's another thing to go towards the new age movement um, because at least you've made the, the, the step of acknowledging that there is an entire spiritual aspect to our existence and that there is spiritual warfare. And so the worst thing is to sit on the sidelines and imagine that it doesn't exist at all because that's great. Now you're not yeah. partaking, right? Now you're yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. lukewarm. You're not in, you're not out. And yeah, as, exactly. as far as the adversary goes, that's that's great for them. Um, yeah. But if you're going to go to these places, you're going to go to these dark corners, you're going to explore these, you know, these Kralian, hermetic, occult, esoteric corners of the world, uh, ask these things, go with with Christ. Because if these things are real, then it is not a stretch to to believe that Christ is real. And so yeah. keep that with you in, in your journeys and and ask these things if you really are communing with the disembodied spirits of the Atlanteans or, or ascended masters, ask them about Christ. See what they yeah. say. Uh, I, I think that that is a really good tool to bring with you. And hopefully over time, uh, that will clarify things because I'm not, claiming that I know what the truth is, uh, but don't put blinders on to one side of it, because like we said before, the propaganda machine is strong, and mm-hmm. there's a reason why you can't talk about the Jews. There's a reason why you can't talk about the Muslims. There's a reason why uh, you know nobody dunks on the Buddhists. There's a reason why nobody dunks on the Vedic uh, uh, ideologies. And there's a reason why it's open season on Christianity and you could dunk Mm. on Jesus every Mm which way that you want to. You can get on stage, hold a mic, get a Netflix special and dunk on Mm -hmm. Jesus to crowds of millions of people uh, and and get paid ungodly sums of money for doing so. But you can't even draw a picture of Muhammad. There's a reason for that. Okay, so consider that because you've you've probably been brainwashed. If we've been brainwashed about the food, if we've been brainwashed about the finance system, if we've been brainwashed about uh, the world governments and, and the wars and all of these different things, uh, then entertain that you've been brainwashed about the nature of Christ and the nature of Christianity mm. and that uh, there's a reason why you can't draw Muhammad and there's a reason why you can't do all these mm-hmm. other things. Uh, Dude, I got to tell you, we set out to talk about uh, personal experiences. I couldn't be happier with the way this episode went. Um, Yeah, this is when I whenever I have these moments, it feels good because I've said it a thousand times. I'm no theologian, but I've had personal experiences. I believe in Christ. I think that there is a huge um, benefit, Not, not that's that's putting it mildly. This is the lens that makes sense through Christ, through the Bible. This is the lens that makes sense to understand the world around us. And anytime that I can put out content that um, I'm not I'm not lying, I'm not towing a line, I'm not uh, thumping a Bible in the sense where I I have a a vested interest in that aspect of it. These are my personal experiences. Uh, These are things that I feel comfortable sharing with other individuals as to maybe the key to understanding all of this. And so even though we didn't get to a bunch of the experience stuff, this was an absolute banger. Uh, Sublime, is there yeah. anything that you'd like to leave our audience with before we wrap up?
0: Um, no, I think, I mean, just like your audience, right? Like I'm I'm going to say the same thing to your audience and to you, as I say to everyone, you know, like just whatever happens in this world, because this is a crazy world that we're living in, right? Like what's the standard, like, I'm telling you, get into your Bibles and pray. Like, this is how you connect with God, right? Like, he talks to you through his word, right? Like, you don't need a pope. You don't need a pastor. I'm not saying these are bad things, right? Well, pope, maybe you want to get rid of that guy. But, like, you know, your pastor and all these different people, these are all, they should be, you know, subservient to the truth, right? And to Christ. And God has given his word. That's how he talks to us. And we can talk to Christ. Like, we can talk to God through Christ, through prayer. Like, it, it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to like, you don't have to pray in the King James version. (laughs) You can just pray in your normal, you know, you can just talk to God, right? Just like we're talking, right? Like tell him how you're doing, like asking for help, you know, like it's really, really that simple. If anyone wants to be, you know, like in my Twitter chat, you know, Jesus is King. um, They can ask you and you can send them my way and we can dump them in there. They're open to spiritual conversations about Christ and the gospel. So, yeah, just we can do it that way. And, um yeah, I think I'll be praying for you, bro. Just careful on your churches out there, you know, like make sure they open their Bible when you can take your, you know, I mean, like you're going to find a good church, right? By God's grace, you're going to find a good church that you can feel like, hey, all right, my family are enjoying this. My kids are loved, you know, there's a sweet community. Like, and then we can, and then that's, that's the beginning of the kingdom. And then we go out there and we, we, we crush Nephilim. We put Nephilim to death. Right, not out of our own strength, but through his. Right, so yeah, yeah, that's all I got to say.
1: Absolutely, dude. Uh, I, I just want to remind people, um, as we wrap up here, uh, we we launched a new Nephilim Death Squad YouTube channel. Um, I'd like to stream exclusively there when we do Nephilim Death Squad. Uh, in the meantime, we're streaming across like five different platforms. Uh, we want to consolidate. So if you're not already doing so, follow Nephilim Death Squad on YouTube. Uh, Give us a follow on Twitter. Um, And if you're not subscribed to The Raven's Watch, uh, go ahead and do that because I talked about it at the top of the show. I'm nearly there for the first time of being monetized. My dream is to ultimately stop doing uh, what I do as a day job and start making content full time and uh, finally doing this thing that I feel like I was meant to do, which is, like I said, shining a light on the dark esoteric corners, of the world in order to show you that it is real and if it is real then so is the flip side of the coin uh one more time sublime where can they find you
0: um you can find me on twitter and that's my handle is at sublime underscore create, and you'll find me there come into some of the twitter spaces and chat and uh christ is king triple elite memes owns you
1: Thank you so much, brother. This is a a genuine pleasure. I'm stoked about this episode. I can't wait to get it out. This will drop on Monday. Uh, So if you guys are listening to this, happy Monday. Hope you started off the week right. And uh, thanks for your time, man. Nice. Peace. Peace.